1: And this is Dark Origins Podcast, a podcast where I tell Rob about the inspiration between all mediums of art, whether it is movies, TV shows, songs, etc. and sometimes the opposite. We talk about times that life has imitated art, usually focusing on the darker aspects of life. And first off, we just want to say thank you so, so much to everyone who has listened to the podcast download of the podcast, rated, reviewed, turn on automatic downloads. It helps us so so much and it's just so kind of you all to take time out of your day to do that.
0: It's so encouraging. It's so encouraging to know that you you're here. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks again, you know, like Gabby said for taking time to do comments and and to to rate our podcast and, and please give us feedback. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yes, we really, really, genuinely, really appreciate it. And also, we will probably start a website soon so that if you guys want to hear certain movies or cases, then you can submit them. But in the meantime, we do have an Instagram account. I'm very, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? I'm very scared of, not scared. I find it really, um... What is the word? that Intimidating. I intimidating. Yeah, yes, intimidating. I'm very intimidated by Instagram. So I haven't posted anything on there, but we do have the account and I do check it. So in the meantime, before we get a website up, if you want to hear a certain movie or case or anything, then please just message me on Instagram. It doesn't have any followers or anything, but it's the same logo as our podcast.
0: Wait, no, we, we're about to have followers because... The people we're talking to now are going to go there right now and they're going to do it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. We're going to have people on. It's going to be so much fun.
1: If you want to follow it, then you can follow it. It's not a big deal. Now, not, but if now. you want to, if you do <laughs> want to hear a certain case or a movie then, or anything, then um, just please message me on there and then I'll tell you all when we put uh, the website up. And also, before we start this episode, I just want to say that if there's anyone out there who is experiencing any anything any trauma any mental health issues anything at all any
0: abuse anything
1: yes if you need people to talk to someone to come to um then please feel free to reach out to us and we'll try to like connect you to the correct resources or just listen to you if that's all you need. It, Anything you need, please feel free to reach out to us. You can also do that on the Instagram. And yeah, we will start the episode now. All right. Today, it's going to be like a little bit different because I am going to tell him about uh, the inspiration between an episode of Law & Order because I was thinking about the A couple episodes ago, that case had, like, a movie, but it had a bunch of other TV shows that were based on it. Okay. Like Law & Order, TSI.
0: 911.
1: 911, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then there was that movie, Stuck.
1: (laughs) Yes. It made me think about the fact that I was involved with something that ended up becoming inspiration for an episode of Law & Order. And the episode that um, was based on it was episode... It was um the episode Chasing Demons which was season 19 episode 14. It aired in 2018. And it is based on the trial of Larry Nassar which I gave a victim impact statement at. So Whew. So this is, not, a, this
0: is a heavy one.
1: I'm not going to tell you the story of Larry Nassar like as I would tell all the other um stories that we talk about, because I'm not involved in those cases, yeah, obviously. So this I'm gonna is tell your story. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna tell my particular story, which there are hundreds of victims of Larry Nassar. So everyone's story is a little bit different, obviously. So obviously if you want a good way to like hear about people's stories is to look up their victim impact statements and to listen to those.
0: I did that when Gabby and I first started dating and I don't know, I don't want to get into it too much. It was just really difficult. So take some time when you have a couple moments to at least listen to that, maybe a couple others. There's a lot of women that were impacted by this. So
1: yeah, I would say actually, like if you're going to listen to victim and peck statements, since you're going to be listening to my story here Listen to other people's victim impact statements. You know, I think it's important for every woman's voice to be heard. And if you want to listen to mine, you can. You would just Google like Gabriella Ralph, Larry Nassar victim impact statement. But
0: guess that makes sense. Yeah,
1: I'm just saying. But I think <laughs> I think listening to other women's is more important than listening to mine. Um. But yeah. So I will start out just I guess from the beginning then. So when I was growing up, I was a gymnast and anyone who knows like anyone who has been a gymnast or who knows a gymnast probably knows that it is a very tough sport to be involved in, in a very, um, I don't want to say abusive necessarily because that's not totally true some coaches i think are definitely abusive some are better than others and then i'm sure there are also great ones out there but um it's just strength above like everything else you're not there's no room for like crying or being upset or hurting or being injured like if you're injured for me like what happened um which i'll get into more in a second but um I didn't tell anyone that I was injured for like 3 months because you're just supposed to push through the pain like that's what you're taught you're supposed to push through the pain like not only obviously to do gymnastics you have to be very strong so um conditioning is a very important part of the sport and um at the gym that I went to we starting around like level 5 I would say we had four week four practices a week each practice was four hours so 16 hours a week during the school year during summer it was more and then once you get into like optionals which is level seven and up then we had I think still 16 hour weeks for during school but during summer I want to say our practices We did 20 to 25 hours a week.
0: So when you're at a level five, how old are you?
1: I was nine or 10. Okay. So
0: you're, you're working basically like.
1: Actually, no, I might've been eight. It was either eight, eight or nine.
0: And then you're 12 when you get to seven, typically.
1: No, not for me. I don't know. Like I would say most gymnasts probably followed a similar track as me. I know there were some who were a lot younger um, when they got up into these higher levels, but I think I would say most gymnasts probably were around these ages. Um, So I was, I think I was 10. I think I was 10 when I started level seven.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was. I'm pretty sure I was ten when I started level seven.
0: So your whole summer vacation was spent at the gym.
1: Yes, and like I didn't have. Well, I did have friends outside of gymnastics, but most of my friends were my teammates because you spend so much time with them. Like the only other friends that I really had outside of my teammates were kids that I grew up with, like on my block. You know that I was like friends with from a really young age, um, but. All of my best friends were my teammates.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And like outside of gymnastics, we would hang out all the time too. So, you know, because like that's obviously makes sense. If you're spending that much time with people, you're going to become, those are going to become your closest friends. And with your teammates, you bond and, you know. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um. So gymnastics is like... <clears throat> For, for most gymnasts, I would say it's probably one of the most important like aspects of their lives because you are pouring so much time into it that you don't really, I mean, I, you know, it just makes sense. If you're spending that much time doing something, you obviously care a lot about it. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, everything you did sounds like you went to school, you went to the gym, you went home, you went to bed.
1: Yeah, And exactly. you tried to
0: find time to eat
1: when I was in level seven, although I think at this point, like me and a few other girls on our team were working over the summer to hopefully go up to level eight the next year. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's where I was at at this point. Um, but my legs started hurting really bad. And like I said, like, you're just taught to push through it. You're not supposed to tell anyone that you're hurting, that you think you might be injured. You just no. hope that it goes away.
0: Is that something that the coach tells you or is that just kind of part of the culture?
1: Um, Kind of both. I would say it's definitely a part of the culture, but also if you do go to your coach and you say that like, oh, you know, my leg hurts or something like that, they're going to basically tell you to just suck it up or even worse they might like make you feel like you're trying to come up with an excuse to get out of practice or get out of conditioning or you know something like that
0: yeah that makes sense okay
1: so um as like the months went on because it went three months before I told anyone um It was getting progressively worse. Not only was my leg, like the back of my leg hurting, but my hip was beginning to hurt and my lower back was also beginning to hurt. But it was affecting my ability to do certain skills because obviously if you have an injury, you're not going to be able to do things that use that area of your body. So or at least not do them well. So one day one of my coaches was asking me why my, like, switch leaps were not at 180 degrees. Like, does that make sense? Or do I need to explain that?
0: I think it makes sense well enough. I I think people are understanding you're supposed to leap and switch. So you, like, turn around, right?
1: No, no. But it doesn't really matter what... Then I don't
0: know what's happening either. (laughs) It doesn't
1: really matter what the skill is. Basically, like, any type of leap, you want your you're going to be in the splits in the air basically and you want your legs to be a straight line or even oh. like more than that if you can get it higher than 180. That's um, insane. So that's what it means to be at 180 to be like a straight line.
0: Oh, so it's not like turning around.
1: No, it's, no, not turning around.
0: You're you're making your legs parallel with with the ground. Spread out like splits in the air.
1: Yes, yes. Yes. Wow. Okay, so,
0: okay. I'm impressed.
1: Um So she was asking me that and I was like, I I don't know. This has been happening for a while. My leg hurts really bad. And she was like, I was actually kind of surprised by her like even being open to hearing me say that. Like I thought she was going to just be like, all right, whatever. We'll get your splits up to 180. But she listened um, and she was like, okay, well, you should probably go see a doctor for that and i think also like the fact that it was clearly affecting like the skills that i was doing and i didn't just like I, like i didn't come up to her and say like hey i'm hurt i think that might have been why she listened um
0: yeah like she noticed that you were injured and then came to you instead of the other way around
1: yeah kind of yeah and um so she was like you should make an appointment with a doctor and um You should see Larry Nassar, who is, he was like the biggest doctor in the sport of gymnastics Um, for a long time. He had worked with the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team. He was the MSU, Michigan State University gymnastics team doctor, and he was just.
0: He was the man. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was the one that. He was the one that carried Strug off when she broke her leg, right? Yes.
1: In that, like, iconic picture, yes, that's him. So when you hear about someone like that, you almost feel, like, grateful that they even will, like, get you in. I mean, obviously, he saw a lot of girls who were just regular gymnasts. Like, he he didn't only work with elite gymnasts and... Um, uh university level level gymnast um so we called and we made an appointment at his clinic in like the lansing east lansing area and then when i went to go see him he um also i don't have like a great great memory of everything that happened obviously because like this was all kind of traumatic and so there's certain things that like I remember better than others but um I went to go see him a few times like all together within that period of time um and he did x-rays and he came in and he told me that, like I had essentially broken my butt. That was like what he, like how he explained it to me. Which I tore the hamstring off of the bone almost completely. There was a little bit that was still on, so thankfully I didn't have to get surgery. But in order to let it heal, I had to take six months off of gymnastics. And also, I had bursitis in my hip, probably from compensating from tearing my hamstring. So. I had to. That sounds
0: like a very extensive injury that you definitely needed appropriate treatment for, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. And he had me like put this like he like cut out. I don't even know what it was, what the material was, but it was some type of like kind of hard material that um I would like place against my hip. And then I had to wrap up my around my waist and around my right leg to keep it pressed up against my hip at all times. So like I went to school with this on and I just like wore it under my pants. And then um, at gymnastics, I had to wear it. But since I had to take six months off of gymnastics, at this point I was just doing conditioning that didn't involve like my, like having to use my hamstring,
0: which. What is that? I mean, just walking, you have to. Use your hamstring, don't you?
1: Yeah, I should say conditioning that wouldn't exacerbate the injury. Okay. Exacerbate the injury. So he when he told me though, like at the appointment, I started crying. I was so upset because for multiple reasons. Obviously, like I was hoping to go up to level eight and um also yeah sorry our dog's barking in the background b gymnastics is a very obviously very physical sport but it's a super mental sport as well and taking 6 months off of practicing every day you're bound to lose skills and that's really scary because like it takes a lot of courage to get back over the fear that you felt when you first got the skill to do it again if that makes sense so The thought of having to like lose a bunch of skills and then have to almost like relearn them. Like you don't actually have to relearn them. You obviously have muscle memory, like you know how to do the skill, you know what it feels like, but not doing it for six months, it's scary to get up and do it again.
0: Yeah, because last time you did it, you got really hurt and you have to learn how to redo all of those things that you've been practicing. Like you could do it right better than I could now, of course, but you couldn't do it at a level where you could get your legs to 180 degrees, right? Like you have to train your body to be able to do that. Is that what you're saying?
1: I'm saying that, so like leaps aren't really that scary. Well, um, no, I,
0: I just use that as an example, like, because that's perfection, right? Like to get to the, the level of perfection in these skills.
1: Yeah, it wasn't even, it's not even that so much. It's like the for the skills that are really scary to learn, taking six months off you have to build up to doing those skills again once you get back into it and it's scary to have to do that i was just really really upset um and i know a lot of the girls that uh were victims like remembered um having being told to wear like loose baggy shorts When I, because like obviously after this happened with Nassar, I thought about it like all the time, like, and I'll explain later on what I mean by that. I didn't really think so much about that part. So when I was like thinking back on it after everything came out, I was like, did he tell me to do that or not? And I do feel like I remember him telling me to do that, but I just can't say for sure because it, it's possible that hearing other people's stories i'm like you know i don't know
0: yeah and it's it's also been a long time
1: yeah so let me say at this point i was um when i got injured i was 11 and then i turned 12 that year so um so this was like obviously a while ago i was pretty young um and so then we came back. Um, like we re- we scheduled my next appointment. We came back, and he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna do this like treatment on you that I like." I just laugh because I, when I get uncomfortable, but um, he said he told me that like he- it was like his like treatment. He had like pioneered this yeah. like treatment. Yeah, I bet he did. And um, it was gonna start with him like putting this um like uh lubricant basically it was like a lubricant all over my leg so that he could use his forearm to um like put a lot of pressure on my IT band and like massage my IT band so that's how it started and after he did that he was like okay and now I'm going to do like a massage where your hamstring meets like the bone right there and i was like okay so he already had all of this lube that was like on my leg and now on his hands and he like hiked my um the like right side of my shorts up super high and my dad was in the room with me and I was so uncomfortable because I was like, oh, my God, like, he just showed my dad my butt, basically. So I couldn't see what was, like, what my dad was doing because my face was down. But um, I'm pretty sure at that point, my dad probably would have looked away. So I think, like, at this point, my dad's probably looking forward. And then he put, he, like, draped something over over me. So, um, yeah, so I, like, he hiked my shorts up and then he put this like little like paper, you know, like a little like cover up thing that you can get at the doctors like over, over me. And, um, I won't go like too much into detail. Uh, but he basically like put his fingers like inside of me and, but he did it like slowly. So he like started like, you know, uh, putting pressure in that area. And then he slowly like started going further and further, like, you know, into that area. And then like, I still remember exactly what I was thinking. I know I've told you before what I was thinking. I won't say it right now because it's kind of embarrassing, but, um, I don't
0: think this is something to be embarrassed about whatsoever.
1: No, I know. I know. I guess. Okay. I'll say it. So the first thing that I'm
0: not, I'm not encouraging you to say it either. I'm just saying that There's nothing here to be embarrassed about.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Um, But but I'll still say it because I think maybe it'll give people an idea of like what this was like. And um, so at this point I was in seventh grade and I had just learned like a few weeks before this what the term, if you have any kids in the car with you, you might want to fast forward through this in three, two, one what the term fingering meant. And, um, so my initial thought when he started doing this was, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing because he's going to feel that I have pubic hair because I was, was just started going through puberty. And, um, then my second thought was, is this what like fingering is basically? And then my third thought after that was, wait, this doesn't seem right. This seems like, like, I, I feel like I'm getting like assaulted basically was my thought. Um, And like, is this right? Is this okay? But then I quickly was like, no, it's fine. Like, obviously this guy's a super successful doctor. He works with Olympians. Obviously he cannot, he would not be doing anything that he shouldn't be doing right now. I'm sure this is just, this is just, The treatment that he has to do, but it was incredibly uncomfortable. And then, um, when this went on for like a while, this massage like way too long. And so, when it finally (laughs) got done, and we like ended up leaving, we were walking out, and I remember my dad saying, "Like, well, he was kind of weird, wasn't he? But like, did it help? Do like feel better?" and I just didn't know what to say, so I was like, Yeah, he was super weird. But yeah, I, I think I think it helped. Um
0: Yeah, I, I saw some of his interrogation videos and he was by far an odd duck or is
1: an odd duck yes he's so weird he's so weird oh wait before we left he said okay because i'd been going to this um this a physical therapist since the first appointment when he told me what happened um to like help me you know recover from the injury
0: some like actual medical advice
1: yeah and uh and also i was like telling him that my back hurt but he just brushed that off like he didn't do anything to check to see if it was okay he just said well it's probably just from overcompensating from your injury and i was like okay
0: he's just a monster that has one goal
1: yeah yeah so he uh
2: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Told me that my physical therapist was gonna he was gonna send a video with me to show my physical therapist how to do this like technique that he had like pioneered. And I was like, what? Like I don't want this to happen again. And I remember being so scared because I would go. School, then I would go to my physical therapy appointment and then I would go to practice and do conditioning. Um, and I was that whole day, I was so terrified. I had so much anxiety because I was like, I don't want to have to go through this again. A and B, is my physical therapist gonna do this in front of everybody? Because you know, like at the place that I went to, and I assume at most places, they had like one private room where you would do like your consultation. Um, and then every all the other tables though where you would normally see your PT person were in a room together. So everyone is laying on a bed next to each other doing their physical therapy. So I'm thinking like this I'm gonna have to wear shorts to this appointment and he's gonna show my ass to everyone again. Not not larry nassar but my physical therapist is going to because right. he's going to be following this like technique
0: this magical technique
1: yeah so i go to physical therapy that day and i give him the video and he starts by doing the um like it band massage where he like puts some like lubricant on my leg and then uses his forearm to put pressure on my t band and like you know massage it yeah um and then that was it. That was the whole video. So the whole of course, this, of course. Yeah. He left out the whole other half of, well, more than half of the treatment because the second part of the treatment with Nassar went on way longer than the, you know, IT band part. So that was a huge relief though. That like, okay, I guess this is the only part that we have to keep doing.
0: Right. But the whole time you're scared to death that this is going to happen. And then at the end of it, you're so relieved that I imagine you didn't want to say anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say anything. Right. I just said, oh,
0: okay." part of his psychological.
1: Yeah. Like he he had, well, and his way of getting away with it, I think, because if you are thinking that he's going to send this video along with you so that you can have another person do this to you, you're not going to be thinking that he is going to tell other people to hear. I just committed this crime against this girl. You now commit this crime against this girl. Like, right. it it, he had perfected i mean my dad was in the room you know tons of parents were in the room when this happened
0: right and i know your dad very well and he is not i mean he is the one of the he has the most integrity out of anyone i know much like my father like that you know this is a this is a monster that is a master of manipulation. Yes.
1: Yes. And my dad has always been very um like hypervigilant and yeah. has always told me like this is how you protect yourself. This is what you need to watch out for. Um which is why I even knew in my head to think is this okay or is this right like an assault. Um
0: Right, that's not an, an assault is not a normal word for a 12-year-old to come up with
1: the word that i actually thought was am i being molested but like you know same thing yeah um and but yeah yeah like i and it was not my dad who told me about the word molested that (laughs) the reason that i thought that word is because of a totally different thing that had nothing to do with like my my dad or him like telling me how to protect myself it was because of something totally different um and so uh yeah like he he knew how to how to get away with this and i think having the parents in the room is part of that because mm-hmm. if you try to say afterwards he sexually assaulted me he's going to say i your parent was in the room with you the whole time what do you mean like Right. Clearly, they would have seen me.
0: Which th- that I assume that exact thing happened.
1: Yeah. it's I, not yes. like this
0: went unreported.
1: Exactly. This was reported so many times.
0: Over 30 years, right?
1: Yeah, since the 90s. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, that part of gymnastics where it's just kind of like you don't talk about, you know, being hurt, like whether it's an injury or being hurt by someone else, and coaches just brushing you off, that culture 100% played a role in silencing the victims. So then after the, the six months was up and I was healed and ready to go back, I was so terrified of getting hurt again and having to go through that same treatment again on top of all of the other, you know, um, fears and just anxieties that I had about this whole thing to begin with, um, that after like another year of gymnastics and trying to make it work, I ended up quitting. And I never told anyone about what happened with Nassar because I had convinced myself that he wouldn't have done anything like that. How could someone so successful do something like that, you know. Um, how
0: could that guy be a monster? It doesn't yeah, make sense,
1: yeah. And right. you know, you just you're as a young kid, you believe that doctors are supposed to help you, you aren't gonna think that they're gonna assault you under the guise of treating you, right? But I always knew in my gut that something was not right, and that's like I said, I thought about this all the time. And I remember, like, for years, probably up until I went to, like, college, I would try to, like, find, like, I would, like, touch where, like, the bone meets um the muscle and try to, like, make it feel like what it felt like when he did that without, having to put my hands anywhere where it would be inappropriate for him to put his hands. And I just could not do it. And I was like, I don't, it just, something just doesn't seem right. But I did go back to see him in the future because I did not trust myself enough. Uh, So after I quit gymnastics, my life completely spiraled out of control. I lost my identity. Like I was a gymnast. That's what I did. I did not know how to live not doing gymnastics. I lost most of my friends because I wasn't seeing them I felt like I let my dad down because my like I my dad was the one who was like really involved with me doing gymnastics like he was there for every meet always like took me to practice um so I felt like I let him down which he reassured me all the time that I didn't but it didn't I mean I felt like I had and yeah, I just didn't know how to approach anyone with the questions that I was having about the whole thing. So life got really really hard and really bad for a long time after this. Um and I started like, you know, self-medicating. I won't get too far into everything, but things got bad. Um and then I went to Michigan State for college. And, uh, which at the time, like I knew that he was the Michigan state, uh, gymnastics team doctor. I didn't, I, n- I never really connected until later on connected Michigan state with him though. You know, if that makes sense, like sure. the way I thought about it, I just went to his, uh, you know, his doctor clerk. clinic and, yeah. and that was that, I just didn't think that much about how intertwined the they were. Um, So I go to college and then I have to, well, I'm still having back problems. Oh, also I forgot to add that uh, a few years after this happened, I went to another doctor because I was going to start doing high school gymnastics just because I felt like I missed gymnastics. I wanted it in my life, but I didn't want to go back to club gymnastics where it was so rigorous there was no way I felt at least that after taking you know two years off that I was gonna be able to gain back all the skills that I would have lost and somehow make up for that by like getting to the level that I would have wanted to be at by that point. And I also just felt like I was I, I wanted to be doing some extracurricular activities so that I could get into college. But I had never tried any other sports really. Like gymnastics was the only one I'd ever tried. So I was like, okay, I'll do high school gymnastics because it's way, way, way easier than club gymnastics. I bet. Um so I started doing that, but my back was like hurting so bad so i went to this spine doctor and
0: this spine doctor at msu
1: no she worked for u of m
0: oh go blue i knew the answer i knew the answer i cheated i knew the answer you're
1: so annoying um he's a u of m fan obviously despite all of this happening with msu it's still where i went to college so i'm still an msu fan but um me too uh
0: only their school not their football teams that's enough
1: okay okay <laughs> um so i uh go to her and she did x-rays and she told me that i had a stress fracture that looked to be about 3 years old so that it would have been around the time that this all happened um that it just didn't it healed incorrectly because i didn't stop doing things that I should have stopped doing in order to let it heal correctly. Cause I didn't know that there was a problem.
0: Right. Because the asshole doctor, so-called doctor didn't check you out. Yeah. At least didn't fucking check, bastard. didn't
1: check that part of me. Yeah.
0: I fucking hate this guy.
1: Um, So then, okay. Fast forward back to when I'm in college. So at this point I have also been diagnosed with um arthritis in my neck And I was going to MSU. So, but I have fully convinced myself that he didn't, didn't do anything wrong at this point. And I was not like blaming him for everything that happened because I thought like, this is just how it had to happen. Like he had to do that treatment. This is just what had to happen. So I made an appointment. Well, actually I reached out to him on Facebook and asked. if. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because we were friends on Facebook. So I reached out to him on Facebook Okay, um, <laughs> um <laughs> that's another part of this. I, whole I guess thing. I didn't know that, or I forgot. I, yeah, we so what he added like a lot of his like uh, p- patients on Facebook.
0: Uh, I bet he did. Um, fucking prick.
1: And he would like, uh, well, <laughs> he would like say like happy birthday and stuff, and yeah. he would send these really like funny like it not funny but like just instead of just saying like happy birthday he would send like happy birthday with like um you know how people use the symbols to make like little like little like like, dancing people or like little you know emojis
0: that are like you like an avatar or whatever
1: yeah yeah so he made this like really long string of like Little like dancing musical note things, like and then something like happy birthday, and then did it, It,
0: yeah. Anyway, so, but I mean, that's just another tactic because if he sends you that message and he doesn't get a hateful message back, he knows he's not in trouble.
1: Well, and it just is like endearing, like it makes you hiding in plain sight, yeah. It makes you forget not forget, but it just makes, it makes him seem so innocent that he could not be purposefully preying on children.
0: Exactly. And all calculated.
1: Yeah. And who you just wouldn't. Yeah. So, um, so I asked him if I could see him again to have him look at my MRI images that I had gotten done a couple years prior. And, uh, because the one thing that, I felt about him is he was obviously very hands-on, but it seemed like he was, he was okay to try to, like he would take the time to try to help and like manipulate your like body in the same way that like a physical therapist would. So it would give you some relief. Like he had done acupuncture on me before. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's what I was hoping to get out of the appointment. And he would take time to actually sit down and look at things, which that was kind of hard to find, you know, before. Like it it just not not many doctors are going to sit down with you and look at your MRI images and also, you know, manipulate you to try to give you some relief because that's just not what they're that's just not what they do if that right so so i
0: mean a lot of doctors do but most don't
1: yeah and there's a reason why he does it like that right you know um again to
0: did it yeah he doesn't do it anymore well
1: yes there's a reason that he did it like that because again it makes him more endearing it makes you trust him more it makes you almost feel grateful again for being able to see this guy who clearly has a super busy schedule who Works with, you know, the best gymnast in the world and he's willing to take time out of his busy schedule to see you and try to help you. Um, Still at this point, I thought he was super weird, but I had no fear of having to go through that treatment again because I was not going to him for my hamstring. So that is why I felt comfortable going.
0: Um, So you were just afraid of the treatment, not of him. Yes, well, that makes sense. I'm afraid of getting my, of a root canal, but I'm not afraid of my dentist. Right. So it's the same idea.
1: Right, exactly. Um, wow. So I made the appointment with him and uh, he actually saw me at like, he was doing this like ice skating. I don't know if it was like a, some type of um like meat, like uh some type of.
0: Oh, like he was, he was the doctor for. The ice skaters at the Figure skating thing or something like that.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so he had like a little um, room set up in this ice skating rink, like competition thing.
0: Sure. That makes sense. And yeah.
1: So he said I could stop by there and he could see me. And um, so I went and I brought my like MRI, you know, um, pictures, little CD with me right. so that he could pop it in the computer. And he was looking at it and I like asked him if he could um check to make sure like all of my ribs were like where they were supposed to be because that was uh one of the problems that I seemed to have a lot that my physical therapist would help try to adjust was um which I didn't obviously didn't have a physical therapist at this point I had completed physical therapy but I still had a lot of pain and When I did physical therapy, I did it in my hometown. Now I'm away at college in East Lansing, right where he works. So um, I asked him if he could try to check my ribs and then adjust them if they needed to be adjusted, thinking he was going to do it the way that my physical therapist did it. Instead of doing that, he took his hand, put it down, not just my shirt, but my bra as well, Touch my boob, and then went to like where, like my rib area. Uh-huh. Totally unnecessary. I've never had my physical therapist ever put their hand under my bra. They've no. always done it above my shirt. So again, when I was laying there, it was like it just took me right back to like the time before. And I was like, this is so weird. Well, every time, why every time that I – Do these treatments with him or not treatments, but every time I come to these appointments, he is touching me inappropriately. Why does he do it like that?
0: Right. And now you're an adult.
1: Yeah. But still, I'm still have convinced myself that there's probably just a reason. Maybe it's more effective. Maybe it's (laughs) maybe it's easier to adjust when you aren't sliding around on the top of a shirt or something, even though that had never been a problem for my physical therapist. But again, like, you know, that if he's doing this, it's not just me that he's doing this too, but I've never heard anything about him assaulting anyone. So you, I, I obviously he can't be doing anything wrong. Right. So I like go back to my dorm that night and, um, I'm like still thinking about just how weird he is. But uh, then I never like saw him again after that. <clears throat> but he would still occasionally reach out to me on Facebook and say like happy birthday and things like that. So then I had that. This was my freshman year that I went to see him. My sophomore year, I had to take a medical withdrawal from school for reasons that are directly re- related to all of this. So then I go back to MSU, and this is like after r- receiving treatment and um taking like, let's see, I want to say I took like almost a year off. Okay. And then I went back, and my dad came to see me. This was so. This was not the first semester that I came back. This was the, sem- the second semester after being back. My dad came to see me to um, celebrate my birthday with me. And he brought my aunt up with him. And we are all going to go out to eat for my birthday. And he said, did you hear about what happened with Larry Nassar? And I was like, no, what happened? So he told me, he was like this, there's allegations against him that he assaulted women and girls when he was treating them and immediately I was like oh my god yeah okay that makes sense but I didn't I wasn't ready to like tell my dad that and it I needed time to kind of accept that that that's what happened and I'm in the car with my aunt and my dad So, um, I looked it up like on my phone while we were driving there and all the accounts that were like in the news article were so similar to what had happened to me. And like I said, everyone's experience was, you know, it ranged from, um, inappropriate touching to full penetration. And it, it was, everyone's experience was a little bit different, but, um, they all had like, it was all very similar though. So when we got to the restaurant, cause I felt like I was going to throw up and start crying at the same time. And so as soon as we got to the restaurant, I went to the bathroom, I cried for a second. And then I went back out and just like acted normal. And like I said, it took a little bit of me like, or it just took me time to actually tell my dad and tell other people like yeah this you know this did happen to me and I think the biggest thing for me was like I just felt like so how did you not trust your gut like I I blamed myself a lot for that for not trusting my intuition which I know I shouldn't but I did um sure so uh then I called and this this all happened over like, the span of, like, months, um, so then I called one of the detectives who was, like, working on the case, and I was, like, hey, I left a voicemail, and I was, like, hey, I, um, was, I know I was assaulted by Larry Nassar, um, and I just wanted to, like, you know, give you information, you know, just to add to it, just because I know that they want, you know, everyone's account that they can possibly get. So I called him and they got back to me and we set a time up to meet. But then that day, <laughs> this is so bad. This is all terrible timing. That day, I had to go to the hospital because it was, um, I had like, uh, midterms at this time and I was so sleep deprived that I ended up leaving early, leaving the test because I couldn't take it because I was so just not okay. Um and obviously my mental health was not great at this point. Like I was going through a depression and I wasn't taking super great care of myself. So I was very dehydrated and very sleep deprived. And I ended up like basically having what looked like convulsions in the bathroom because I stopped in the bathroom to like, I thought I was either going to throw up, but I also just needed to like get my bearings before I drove myself back home because I was scared to drive feeling the way that I was feeling. So anyways, that was the day that I was supposed to meet with them and give them my account. And then I ended up going to the hospital. And then after that, I just didn't have the energy to call them back. And I texted them and I said, Hey, I'm so sorry. I ended up going to the ER, but I just didn't reschedule because I was just so exhausted. So um Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. You had a lot going on. Yeah. And I was also dealing with undiagnosed at the time, hypothyroidism. So I was extra, extra tired.
0: Like all kinds of stuff on your plate.
1: Yeah. It was just a whirlwind of bad things. Multiple
0: tests, hypothyroidism, NASA you know, Yeah. Yeah. You need to eat food. Yeah. You're having a hard time. Yeah.
1: So like, Then fast forward a while, he had his first trial and the victims, some of the victims got to give their victim impact statements. And I was like, well, two things. One, one of the people who gave a victim impact statement was my childhood best friend that I did gymnastics with. Two, you know, I, I wanted to be able to do that too. I wanted to be able to confront him and, you know, tell him how he had impacted my life. And so I told my dad that and he called someone that he knew, um, who I think was like a prosecutor in East Lansing or something. They were somehow connected to the case and they, um, were able to get me in to give my victim impact statement at his second trial. Cause he had two trials, one in Ingham County and one in Eaton County. So, um, me, my dad and my sister went and the day, you know, that I was scheduled to give it. Oh, and also let me say that, uh, Larry Nassar tried to like get out of sitting through these yeah. victim impact trials. Like, or not victim impact trial. Sorry, victim impact statements. He said, like, I think his lawyer said that, like, he was negatively affected. I don't even know. I don't some even bullshit.
0: Know. But I just love the judge's response.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like they're like, no, no you have to sit through these. No, dude, let sit down. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, what she said. Well, Amazing. I mean, it's not. She was. I know She's she was very judicial. Yeah. I just, but yeah, she was like, no, you I, have to sit through these.
0: I just, I get obviously like for you for me it's different emotions different set of you know how we take this story in right and that piece always just makes me like yeah get him you know fuck this guy
1: yeah both of the judges did a really good job of like handling him and his attorneys because there was another thing i cannot remember what exactly it was but one of his attorneys said something that was like just not okay like she had I think she said it to like a a radio host or radio show or like news outlet or something and uh they did a good job dealing with that they just did a good job dealing with everything that happened through both trials um and the detectives on the case also did a really good job so um
0: hell yeah they did
1: yeah so uh they um that was also the day that i gave my victim impact statement people who live in michigan probably saw this on the news maybe people like throughout maybe other people saw it on the news as well but um i'm I'm just not sure how heavily covered it was in other areas but obviously i know it was like pretty heavily covered because of the sheer number of victims um but that was the day that that one dad tried to like attack him. Was the day that I was giving my victim impact statement. So
0: yeah, he he jumped over and tried and tried to get to him, right?
1: Yes, yeah. And Then they had to like take him to jail, but yeah, he was released later that night. So it was kind of scary though because I thought like they might end the the trial for the day we weren't going to say our impact our victim impact statements, and so that would have meant that like tons of women and girls some still girls wouldn't have been able to give theirs so I was I was really nervous that that was going to happen but thankfully it didn't so I give my impact statement and then you know I go back and sit down and then I, I think there was a dog like a therapy dog that was they brought for us to pet so eventually I went out there like sat and pet the dog with my sister and my dad and um then you know we went home and then a bunch of stuff happened after that like we won like the 2018 like SB uh Arthur Ashe Courage Award so a bunch of us got to fly out to LA to like go and, you know, do that. And it was, it was really like cathartic and nice because oh, nice might not be the right word, but it was, it felt like a bit of a conclusion to all of this because the person that I stood next to on the stage was my childhood best friend. And so that was really cool. You know, we got to like do this thing together. We hadn't seen each other in a long time. Partially because I quit gymnastics and I just could not face my teammates. So I just drifted away. Um, And
0: I had the pleasure of sitting in the audience.
1: Yes, you did. Yeah.
0: I got to meet some of the parents and some of the women. And yeah. What an event.
1: Yeah.
0: It was a tough event, but what an event. They really, ESPN did a good job.
1: Yeah, they did. They did. Um, It was all very, they did a good job of making it as, stress-free as possible um if right. that makes sense so you know for such a high emotion event it was very um just well done they did do a very good job and then um we also did like the there was like a glamour magazine shoot and then then there was like a museum thing at msu and so Still there got was my bracelet on Oh, yeah, you've been wearing that for years now. That's so years. funny. Yeah, literally, it's just like a little, like, like a little live strong band type thing. <laughs> He's been wearing it for years. Um,
0: it never comes off.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so that's like all the stuff that that happened. That's how everything kind of unraveled. Um, and I mean, there's not much more, I guess, to to say about it oh actually well yes there is i will say this there was tons of people who were removed from their positions or fired or had some sort of blowback because of this because the investigation unveiled how many times women had gone to someone and told them about this, or girls, girls and women, right? And um, were ignored. Were told to keep quiet. Were all sorts of things. Um, and it was swept under the rug every time for decades. So yeah. a lot of people were held accountable for that. Um, and then John Getart, who, so the. Um, John Gadar owned Stars, which was another gym in Michigan and he himself was super abusive and super messed up I never went to Stars, but I did go to Stars camps that he coached at so like I have experienced a very obviously he was not nearly as messed up with the girls who attended his camps as he was with his everyday like gymnast but I've heard from people who went to twist Stars, just how hellish it was um so he ended up getting indicted for i want to say human trafficking charges because he employed um nassar at his gym and had him he was like the team doctor basically yeah um he knew and tons of people had told him and he swept it under the rug, and he covered it up. Um, he was also the twenty twelve U.S. Women's Olympic team one of the coaches, um, because he was the coach of a woman who was on, right, that team, um. So he um ended up getting charged. With human trafficking charges of a minor and also first degree criminal sexual assault, second degree criminal sexual assault involving a minor and lying to a police officer. Um, And he ended up, trigger warning for suicide, um, he ended up shooting himself in his car like right before he was supposed to be picked up and like arrested so that's just one of the one of the many people who were involved in um helping Nassar like cover up his crimes and um Yeah, so he he was supposed to get in a lot of trouble. And I just think that, like, these things are obviously really hard to talk about. I'm, like, still debating if we will even post this episode. But I think it's a good thing to talk about because, like, these things are important. These things happen all the time. and
0: They're happening now.
1: Yeah, so being able to remind people that always... Always trust your intuition whenever it's possible and safe for you to do so. Tell someone if something like this happens or if you don't feel right about something that happened, we have to be vocal about these things. Otherwise, these types of people just get to keep doing whatever it is they're doing because they're super manipulative. They have learned how to get out of being held accountable and getting in trouble for doing committing the crimes that they're committing um so i just yeah i just think it's important to talk about and just like the fact that so many women and men too have been um well people of all genders have been sexually assaulted like just reminding people that they are not alone in this is important i think that there's a lot of support that comes from other people who have been through similar things, and it's very helpful to talk to people who have gone through, you know, similar things. So, yeah, but I'll tell you real quick about, super quickly about the um, Law and Order episode that was inspired by this. Um, like I said, it the name of the episode is Chasing Demons. And it basically is just about a doctor who was assaulting his patients and then eventually gets arrested for it. And then there's like other drama that involves like the characters and the storyline, obviously. Um, right.
0: Yeah, they've got to dramatize it somehow.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, let's see. Um
0: you know I I just want to interject and and say that I'm very proud of you who have been with you through most of the the time after your victim impact statement and you have not only given that statement but you've impacted many people with your courage and your strength and your perseverance and I'm proud of you for you. many reasons, right? But that's one of them. And uh, courage, I remember you said to me one day when we were in the middle of this, you said, like, when can I stop being so fucking courageous? And, And now you don't seem to feel that way. You seem to have embraced courage and you walk through this with grace and dignity and you reach out and help people. And and I'm proud of you, and I'm proud to be your partner, and thank you for being here and letting me be along with you on this journey.
1: Thank you. That's very sweet of you to say. Thank no. you for being with me on this journey. But gushy, gushy, gushy. I love you. When, <laughs> well, the when I said the when can I stop being courageous thing, that was not me calling myself courageous. That was in response to like you saying something about like the about me being courageous. I just want to make I that know, clear. I know, yeah, yeah. I wasn't saying- I, like, I guess I
0: left some of the context out. Yeah. That's, yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. I don't <laughs> want to sound, yeah. It's, you know, but that, that it speaks to how overwhelming this whole thing was for you and over 500 other women and whomever else is out there. You know, like this is, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm appalled by this story, but also so impressed with the ability of all of these women to persevere
1: i'm very impressed by all of these women too especially well i'm very impressed by all of them i'm very thankful for um for all of them i think that like without them all coming forward i wouldn't have come forward i wouldn't have trusted myself enough to to have done something like that um, and yeah, so I think that, yeah, I'm just, I am very impressed by all of the women who, um, who have persevered through all of it and very thankful for the women who, again, for all of them, but especially thankful for the ones who came forward first and really pushed to get the police to like look into this and push the press right. to talk about it and pushed for accountability because without those women this would have never there would have he wouldn't have stopped he would have continued to assault girls and um, yeah so in the law and order episode really quickly let me just say the this was the part that I forgot the there's a mistrial because of something that happens with Cassidy this is on the show right yeah yeah um so unfortunately it doesn't seem like yeah I just wanted to just
0: clear that up (laughs) so it's not exactly like it's not exactly the story it's just sort of loosely inspired
1: well, it's very much inspired by Larry Nassar. But obviously they made some changes for the show, you know, Jeez. to follow the storyline. But that's you know, that's yeah, what it's they
0: drama. Have.
1: Yeah. I love Law and Order. I we do love too. Law & Order. I do. Okay. So yes, that is a story from my perspective of Larry Nassar. Um, and like I said, I would definitely recommend looking up the victim impact statements from all of the girls and women who were involved obviously you have to pick and choose that's you know hours how many, of content. yeah because that's a long long time um if you were going to listen to all of them because there were so many victims but um yeah or so many survivors i should say um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening to this um i'm sorry if it wasn't quite as easy to listen to as the other stories because i'm recalling something that happened you know instead of being able to tell you you know like I I don't have anything written down for this I'm just recalling from my memory and thank you so so much to everyone who has listened and left um left reviews and left ratings and who has downloaded episodes and turned on automatic downloads we really 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 appreciate it I am so grateful for like the people who took time another day to do that. That means a lot to me and to Rob and um, yep. it helps us to, to do this. So we're just yeah, super to thankful. Continue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for being here.
1: Yes. Thank you guys so, so much. And we will talk to you soon.
0: See you next time.
1: Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget.